boom all right we're going to have larry c johnson on the show in just a second and give him a ring <clears throat> quick recap well i guess i can do the calendar stuff while he's on it is july the 6th in the u.s the 7th in japan 7 7's a holiday let's get larry on the line d mitchell with a boom yeah the shekel chat uh arena the bigot arena the very fine people whatever that's open on entropy you can also use odyssey we're streaming on rumble and vk so let me uh let me grab mr johnson Um, Hi there. How's it getting here? Hello. Oh, that's fine. Sound good. All right, good. All right, good. How have you been? Hey, hey, been, been, been a little busy. Little busy. Yes. <laughs> well, I've seen you going around. Ladies and gentlemen, Larry C. Johnson. He's a uh, former spook. Also worked in the State <laughs> Department. Tells the truth. <laughs> you're never, you're never ex CIA. Oh, Skype's doing yeah, something. Yeah, they always, yeah, they always, 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 they always, there's always, there's always the assumption that I'm some hell plugged, still plugged in, in, even though I'm one of their most, one of their most outspoken, outspoken critics. critics. Well, I get accused of being in the CIA, and I've never, I mean, I went to school next right, to right, right, right. one of their recruitment camps. That's about it. <laughs> went to school, the next, school, camp, the next camp period, period probably, probably interacting, interacting regularly, regularly as the, as the different case offices being trained, trained, ran, trained around, ran around Williamsburg, Williamsburg doing, dead, doing dead drops. They, uh, my girlfriend at the time and I were, uh, were sought after uh -huh. from the uh -huh. Perry people and the, the Penny Loafers and all the crew. Um... <laughs> Today is July the 6th, by the way, so if you've got the calendar, that's the birthday of John Paul Jones, and it's the anniversary of Jeffrey Epstein getting arrested, so two pretty <laughs> significant events. Um, Larry Johnson is a Native American with a small N, uh, as your family goes all the way back before the Revolutionary War, right. speaking right. of John Paul Jones, so... Actually, actually, all the way to actually, all the way to. I, I, I'm hoping for I, I'm hoping for reparations because I am going, because to, put I am going mine, to put in for my family. That I have family that was came over as servants, servants in 1619. So my God, so my God, I want my, I want I want my, my reparation. I want my reparation. <laughs> well, our, our family came over in the 1590s, and our colony got abandoned. Oh, there, so there I want go. our there, reparations there too. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Dawsons, Davises, and Fairfaxes were all. We rode with uh, with Henry Lee yep. actually in the yep. Revolutionary War. Thirteen Dawsons killed in the okay, war. Okay, yeah. Okay, got yeah. The, oh, got, got the pedigree. Got the pedigree. Yep. Um, I don't really want reparations. Though. I think that's collective well, woke I, nonsense. I, I, well, I, 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 I know what you mean. You know, you're going to be that stupid that I'm going to take it to its logical extreme. Well, I'm like, well, we got you know the United States, so yeah, yeah, pretty valuable used to be it's going downhill it makes me sad watching the next generation um can't even name the capital of their own state and uh yeah we're supposed look at the contrast okay what's her name pierre something the white house secretary right. the, the right. sackies new lackey versus uh maria the russian zakharova is just 
uh, <laughs> the uh, intelligence uh, gap. Yeah, it's night, night, yeah, it's night, night and day. Yeah, and then maybe like Logrov and Blinken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Putin and yeah, Biden. Well, yeah, well, there's it's not even or Harris uh, and yeah, anybody. We've never had we've never had no talents, no talents, no talented, no talented, no bodies in charge of the in charge US government, of the U.S. government uh, in our entire uh, in our entire history. I'm thinking of a counterpoint, and I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe this is try to go to Benjamin Harrison, or you know, just. You know, it's even back then. There was, they still had one or two who were capable of tying their shoes, or you know, maybe Lincoln after he got shot. Yeah, well, that'd that. be about the same level as Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> All he did is lay in bed and breathe. Uh, actually, that would be an improvement to some of the. The craziness they got going. They're blaming all of the uh, diesel hikes and gas hikes on Putin. Um, and I think in Europe, some of that might be true. But in the United States, it's appeared like that was already the course long before the war in Ukraine. Now, the uh, uh, Putin we've now discovered is he is like he's better than Oz. He's better than Voldemort. He's better than the Lord Sauron. He's, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-doing. There's never been anyone like him in history. So we, my coffee so was a little it. cold this morning. <laughs> I, I know a Russian agent came in and blew on it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Russia, Russia, Russia. That's, that's the thing. The laptop, anything they wanted to blame, just scream Russia. And it's like the people's brains shut off and go, oh, yeah, Vladimir Putin, evil dictator. Da, 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 da. He's a... Uh, yeah, he's the new, all those bad guys you just named, or, you know, Stalin, Pol Pot, Hitler, Lincoln, all that, all wrapped in one. They're not as evil as Vladimir Putin. Putin's worse than January 6th. Yeah. But when you when you proceed from the, the assumption that if you're 10 years old, you barely have any kind of knowledge, awareness of what's going on around you in the world. So using that as a sort of a benchmark, people who are 42 years of age and younger really have no memory of the Cold War. I mean, that's, when that thing ended, or uh, let's even say 44 by 1992, uh, they, have, they, have, they have no reference whatsoever. And so they're being introduced to a whole new concept of viewing Russia and being, you know, they follow easily into the path of, oh, they're communists. No, no, they're not. And they don't realize that during the entirety of the Cold War, during some of the most tense moments, you know, the United States and Russia were, uh, and the Soviets were still talking to each other. We, we've never seen this kind of, uh, I guess I call it the high school or the middle school girl clique, the, you know, the mean girls approach, where they're just going to shun Vladimir Putin and not allow him to sit at their table. That'll teach him. And, you know, they don't realize that Putin can say, okay, I'm going to go out and build my own cafeteria and I'll sit at my own table and you guys can go screw yourselves. I think that analogy is pretty good, except usually the mean girls are at least pretty or have some sort of something yeah. going for them. Yeah, Whereas this is more like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know, telling people to get at the back of the bus or something. It's, uh, um, can you imagine, <laughs> you know, if we had a, you know, a wet t-shirt contest between uh, Joe Biden Boris Johnson, 
uh, Nancy Pelosi. Oh my God, it'd be hideous. You know, this is, they're the kind of people that if they go to a nudist colony, the folks line up to pay them money to put their clothes on. You know. Well, that's a uh, you know funny because Boris Johnson was actually joking about jackets on or off. We have to be more masculine than Putin. And I'm sitting there looking at them all. And I'm like, I guess other than Trudeau, uh, that would be a fucking horror show. <laughs> yeah, well, once, once you know, they're all in bad shape. Once they realize that Boris Johnson looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy, except he's got the blonde hair. You know, you put that blonde wig on the Pillsbury Doughboy, you got Boris Johnson to a T. He combs his hair with a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in trouble now. Uh, he might uh, not make it very much longer, and I'd like to see that throughout the rest of Europe. Big fat. Well, I think, that, I think that because they're they're committing suicide, yeah. especially the Germans. I'm like, hey, America, we're not the the dumbest one. <laughs> There's Germany. Yeah, this is. Uh, I was watching earlier. I tuned into Sky News just to see how they were playing it. Boy, it's this is wall to wall breaking news. What's you know they were. Uh, it, it was like watching, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Jerry Lewis muscular dystrophy telethon, and they'd have this, uh, you know, the, they'd show the tote board as the numbers rolled up as the donations came in. That's sort of like what it was watching, the number of people that were resigning from Boris Johnson's administration. You know, the numbers kept going up, and they're showing them on the tote board on Sky News. And um, it went from... You know, from two or three yesterday up to 42 today. 18, 42. 42. <laughs> and it may be up to 43. Yeah, he's done. What do you think triggered that? I mean, he's been a buffoon the whole time. It, it, it's the economy. The, the economic downturn that has been exacerbated by this idiotic sanctions imposed upon Russia. And I, I just put up a piece. Uh, you may not have had a chance to see it. But I start off with uh, pointing out that not since the days of Wiley Coyote going after the Roadrunner have a group of uh, people do such self-destructive things where they basically set themselves on fire or explode the, the bomb right next to themselves. Uh, so their attempt to uh, th think of Vladimir Putin as the Roadrunner, think of uh, each of the European leaders as Wiley Coyote, and they're either dropping the boulder on their head, the bomb's going off in their hand, they're running into the side of the it's, cliff. It's just that. That's not even an exaggeration. No, no. It's like the, Ac the Acme uh, javelins, whatever. I saw some Ukrainians. They they had, it looked like a mortar, I don't know what caliber, whatever, but it was mortar fire, and they put the ammunition in upside down. Yeah. And as soon as you let it go, I thought, what? And it went black, of course. They're all dead. Yeah. Uh, I also just saw an S three hundred system get machine gunned. Um, this war, a lot of it, it, you know, more so is on tape because of you know the availability of cell phones, cameras, and so on than any war before, any you know high tech war. Well, that that plus and you drums. see a lot of Ukrainians surrendering, a lot of Ukrainians getting you know uh, offing themselves on accident. You don't see that so much. The very beginning of the war, maybe some of the armored from the BTGs got taken out and they were extended or whatever. But for the, since May to now, it's been a very one-sided, lopsided war. Right. However, if you're on Twitter, <laughs> Ukraine is just whooping it. Yeah. 
they are they are Russians are on the Putin has cancer and is on the verge of collapse and you know they have no morale and they're losing everything and oh my goodness Snake Island <laughs> which was the Russians left I think it was the 30th of June and they blew up all the infrastructure on the island and left and then uh, around July 3rd or 4th here come the Ukrainians being like I did that helicopter down a flag and nobody's even been on the island yet but a clear victory anyway and do a jig and a dance but oh. they seem to be more concerned with pr than this this blows my mind but they're more it's like public relations is more important than actual uh gains in the battles and you could nothing like really illuminates that more than the battle in, in Servodonetsk and lizzie shanks where they should have retreated to Lizzie Shanks and had the high ground in the river in front of them, but they had their forces divided on both sides of the river. The whole thing should have been withdrawn because they're going to lose it anyway. But they were ordered to stay there. And then some of the Ukrainians just left anyway, ignored their commanders, and they're sort of a half, half butt withdrawal where they're leaving. And of course, uh, that fell within days. I mean, Russia has it now, and that's it. But the stunt was, well, we can't allow them to have that. It's it's a moral victory. And they're willing to let thousands of people die, some sort of uh, Thermopylae moment or something that they have in their heads, I'm not sure. And the only thing I can think of, of like, why would you do that? It's completely against your operational strategy, strategic interests. The only thing I can think of is they are lying about their victories and how well they're doing just so they can milk the MIC a little longer. Because if mm -hmm. things aren't going well, I'm not sure how much money and guns are people are going to be willing to to throw at it. Well, yeah, that I mean that's what they're running up against. They're they're losing people. You know, they I keep hearing that. Oh, we're going to send them new weapons. Great. Who's gonna Who's gonna use them? You know, if you if you consider the fact that if you went in and you signed up to join the U.S. Army tomorrow, at a minimum for just what they call basic training. Not advanced infantry training, not learning how to navigate overland, not learning, you know, more sophisticated skills, but just basically how to put on, how to load your firearm, how to clean your firearm, uh, how to properly use the train in the, in the field, uh, how to maintain, what are the basic rules for discipline. That's a 10-week, almost a three-month process, okay? You got three months. So... Anybody that they're bringing in right now to say, okay, let's get out there to fight the Russians, uh, they're going to barely be, they're going to only have the most rudimentary training in three months. And candidly, I don't think the war is going to last three months. It doesn't seem like the weapons really reach the, the good ones, reach the front line. They sort of, as they go east across the country, disappear as the... Right. the uh, the rear guard takes all the good stuff. Now, if they added five or six months more training, would they figure out what a woman is? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you had a better idea uh, or better explanation than what I said is the Ukraine. Well, they kind of go together. The Ukrainians are lying to the Americans and everyone else. And the intelligence community is just whatever they say, they take it at face value. Oh, looks like they killed a thousand Russians today. That's what they said. Now, the Ukrainians are going to lie because the better it seems like they're doing, the more support they think they can get. But why is it, you know, the CIA and the other 12 intelligence agencies, why are 
they continuing, you know, there's no prudence there, continuing to just go, oh yeah, they're telling us the truth when they've been lying to them since February. Is it just failing upwards? Nobody wants to hear bad news. So they just, they lie as well, all the way to the top. There's got to be people in there. You know, like, see, for the, example, how could you not see the encirclement? Anybody with a computer could see the encirclement coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, there's a little bit of self-delusion. There's a little bit of, you don't want to be the one on the inside who's bringing uh, the bad news to the dinner table. Um, you know, back I remember back in 1986 when I was at CIA, I was the Honduran analyst, and actually it was probably the spring of '87. Whenever we were bringing up information that was not complementary or uh, encouraging with respect to the Contras, we got a lot of pushback from some of our own managers about. Why are you always wanting to bring bad news down to the White House? Oh, they don't want, they don't, White House doesn't want to hear bad news. And so this is something that cuts across administrations, Republican or Democrat. When you've got a political policy in place, you don't want the intelligence community to come in and be seen as crapping on it. But you raised a point earlier about the social media. The thing I've zeroed in on is if the Russians were suffering the losses that the Ukrainians are claiming they are, this would be all over social media. Russia can't control that. Russia can't shut that down because you're, you know, we're seeing it on, we're seeing it on Ukrainian social media. And they've got a stronger crackdown on opposition groups in, the, in Ukraine than they do in Russia. So you're just not mm -hmm. seeing the mother, the father, the sister, the brother, the friend who's tweeting about, oh, you know, uh, poor, poor Zygmunt or, you know, Yakov or, you know, whoever has died and he's not coming back. And uh, Sergei, we're missing Sergei. Oh, this, you know, you're not seeing that. So right away, that's what you got to look at from an intelligence analyst. You got to ask, it's either is it because the Russians have turned off all social media. And you've got a way you can do a test for that. You'll find out the answer to that is no. Then that means they haven't turned it off. People aren't using it. And it's not because they've imposed mass discipline on them. So that, you know, something as simple as that, if I'm an intelligence analyst sitting back in D.C. or, you know, in McLean, Virginia, where CIA headquarters is, uh, That'd be one of the first things I'd point out and say, "Hey guys, what? Uh, there, you know, there's a disconnect here. We're we're seeing all this activity in social media on the Ukrainian side, and then, yeah, we're seeing them say all these things on social media about how they're just kicking the Russian ass all over the place. But when we look for any corresponding information from the Russian side, it doesn't exist. So that should tell you something. But part of that's the social media companies themselves." If you said anything truthful that they interpret as pro-Russian, you got banned. And I mean, they banned Scott Ritter, they banned Pepe Escobar. I've been banned like fourteen times right. on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> and the same thing with YouTube. People know. I mean, there are some channels that have slid somehow slid under the radar, but you're talking like five or six out of you know everybody would be talking about this look at how many people talked about the second iraq war for example like and how much opposition there was because there was actually voice on myspace and whatever not myspace but like 
AOL and things that were back there in 2003, you, there was a, a large push against it. Here, everyone is pro-Ukraine because all the information they get is a narrative carefully constructed and agreed upon by social media, Google, Facebook, Twitter. They all agree, put the Ukrainian flag up, Ukraine's the greatest, there was no coup, it's unprovoked and unjustified, da-da-da-da-da, and Russia's to blame for everything. And that's not just because people in Ukraine are scared to post something because Zelensky's goons will come in and, and saran wrap them to a pole or whatever, which right. would happen. It's out, outside of Ukraine, people are afraid to say anything pro-Russian too because they'll get kicked off PayPal, like Consortium News was. Right, you're talking about the Contras. Robert Perry wrote October Surprise. I think I have that right there. Yeah, right, he did. Uh, anyway, it's back on my shelf somewhere. His, uh, he's, he's no longer with us for the audience to know, but right. he, you know, he wrote about it. And back then, the black budgets were not as organized as they are now. That's why they were scrambling around, scrambling around trying to figure out ways to pay for the Contras selling contraband to Iran from Israel or narcotics out of uh, uh, out of everywhere in Latin America really Honduras Nicaragua and so on but now the CIA has massive budgets for all, all anything they want to do but uh, they don't have the intelligence like you said before in the 80s we we had diplomats like James Baker even Kissinger who are not dumb right now I don't I can't think of an equivalent James Baker of 2020. Yeah, no, it's, can it, you? No, I mean, no. It's just it's it's become a real clown show. And then we used to have guys like Brent Scowcroft and and Bob mm -hmm. Gates. Despite all of his failings and shortcomings, he still was you know uh, light years intelligent ahead of what the, this current crew is. Um, Scowcroft was the Patriot missile commercial guy. No, no, he was he was an air, yeah, <laughs> but he was the Air Force. <laughs> You know, general. He was. He actually. He did a. They had one of the best organized uh, security. You know, national security councils in in the history of of the country. I think looking back, that was like the golden age. If you had to pick a time to work there, under Scowcroft was the time. You, you know, go, going back to the points you made, which further reinforces what I'm trying to say about. There is no intelligence out there showing that Russia is launching, losing massive casualties because if that existed, the social media's folks sure wouldn't block it, man. They'd be feeding it because that, mm -hmm. that would be considered anti-Russian. Instead, you know, they're faking it, yeah. right? They use footage from video games. I don't know the games. Other people do. But there's all these different war games. Right. And like, oh, that's Armor 3 something something. And, and it's obvious to gamers what it is. But they'll show a cruise missile going and hitting something. And it's a, a game. And it's flagged as a game. And two days later, they'll flip it, the image or whatever, the whole video, and show it again. Right. Uh, because they have nothing real to point to. And that's how you know. It's just like Colin Powell with his cartoon pictures of mobile weapons labs. They're cartoons because <coughs> there were no labs to show. And if they did have any evidence of WMDs, it would have been all over the news. There never was because there weren't any. And the same thing here. If, if Russia's really losing this and that, you don't have a single shred of physical evidence for this. And, it, and worse than that, what you're purporting as evidence has been faked. Yeah. Well, that was the ghost of Kiev. Remember the Ukrainian fighter pilot that was shooting down seven Russian jets? 
you know, he was. <laughs> you know, he's got a new nickname, right? Which is the Ghost of Kiev. He's the reverse John McCain. Yeah. Because <laughs> John McCain got shot down like seven times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and set fire to his own boats and all that. Yeah. And when he died, Al Qaeda had their flag at half mass. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this, I mean, it's just, it is the, the information warfare that has been pumped out. That's really the only thing that the Ukrainians have been good at. And they've been good at it because the United States has played a major role, along with the Brits, and pumping out all of this crap, this misleading information into all of the mainstream media. And But over the last week, I've noticed the start of a shift. More and more of the mainstream media are, like, coming on board and going, wait a second, this isn't quite working yeah, out UK like Telegraph. Said. Say what? Yeah. Uh, there's a paper in the U.K. that, I had a pretty honest assessment of what was going on, but in an angry way, right? And they're, it was a telegraph. They're getting surprised. What? I thought we were winning. Why is, you know, they look at these maps yeah. and the red just keeps growing. And, <laughs> of course, remember what they said about Mariupol? Yeah. It was a, a successful evacuation. <laughs> yeah, they keep, they're, they're good at evacuation. So, that, you know, is. If you have a medical background, you know evacuation is a nice euphemism for someone having a bowel movement. So, Someone just donated to the tumor, talking about John McCain, I guess. Look, that tumor had a bad case of John McCain. <laughs> it, went, it went on a, 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 uh, a valiant uh, suicide mission to take down a war criminal. We just McCain's an ongoing punching bag on this channel. He was a nasty piece of work. I, he definitely uh, was. Well, what's fascinating is I've talked to some of the uh, uh, survivors of the POW camps in, in Vietnam, and they, mm. they just despised McCain, just absolutely just hated him. So he, Songbird. Yeah, he didn't, didn't endear himself to a lot of the guys who were being held captive with him. His father uh, doesn't sit well with the USS Liberty survivors either. <clears throat> well, he's Johnny. another. He's an example of uh, how this, you know, the United States claims to be different from the Brits, as far as not having any sort of uh, genealogical legacies that entitle people to positions of power and prestige. But increasingly, both our military and political class have come to resemble. We're just like the poor cousin version of the British royal uh, right. uh, setup. Watered down dynasties. Where we have the Bushes, we almost had the Clintons. We've had the Adams. We've had the Roosevelts. Right. I mean, with with the, the population <clears throat> the size of the U.S., it's harder to pull that off than it is in the U.K., yet it still occurs. Correct. I wouldn't mind a, a, a Paul dynasty, though. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Paul, Rand Paul. Keep making more Pauls. That's fine with me. I'd take just about anything over what we got now, though, for sure. You know, and John McCain, uh, we're still dealing with his legacy in Ukraine. He and Lindsey Graham did go and meet with some of these neo-Nazis. He's like the pale horse, right? He met, he met with Aral al-Sham in Syria. He meets with uh, uh, Baluchistani terrorists. Then he met with the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Like, anywhere John McCain went, he's just bringing all the poison and, and locusts and whatever with him, it seems like. Yeah. And he did meet, remember Lindsey Graham 
saying 2017 will be the year of offense. These boys need some lotion. Yeah. Mm. We need boots. <laughs> He's so far in the closet he can see Narnia in his rearview mirror. But and down south we just say, "Well, bless his heart." Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, if he came nice out, the, Lewis, the whole Lewis. reaction we we know. <laughs> yeah. Well, prolific writers there. Um, <clears throat> but you would think, I'm still like perplexed on this question. I'm sorry. I know that bad news doesn't go well at first. Oh, no one wants to hear it. But when you're losing ground, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to explain this eventually. Are just like WMDs, I figured they know they're not there and they don't care once they have the war and they go, oops, we really thought so, miscalculations, whatever, uh, too late because they already did their objective of destroying Iraq. Here, though, they're going to continue to lose ground. I don't know of an excuse they can get other than, oh, the you know, as Andre says, the Wonder Wolf and NATO weapons or whatever, mm -hmm. they're going to blame it all on the hypersonic missile or something. Sure. And I... I do think that did shock a lot of Americans, a lot of Westerners, period, when, what was the name of the base they hit in the West? Yeah, uh, yeah It was like March 19th. Yeah, yeah. March 13th, yeah, Part of that was underground, and then they hit one on the 19th of an ammo depot yeah, with the hypersonic missile. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I think we don't have Zs anymore in Ukraine. Sure. But, um, they they flew that up and it, it was able to uh, bust underground and hit it too and that was on the it was the twentieth here so it was the uh, anniversary of the second Iraq War and the hypersonic missiles are flying the right. Pentagon says ten to twelve which means they don't even know how many were shot they're just based on how many things blew up I suppose those are unblockable. Uh, so once they're within range, try, there's it, really nothing anyone can do, um, which pretty much wipes out any offensive. But just figure that they're, they're, they're the traveling US, right because they could hit the carriers or anything. They're they going to travel two miles in two seconds if we come something to them. like that. So, so just think thousand one. Whoop! Yeah. So it, you you I think got it's a mile by in the two time seconds. you can even Perfect. recognize that it might be inbound yeah. on you, you don't have time to even get ready to respond. That's, and then that's where the you know their their uh, their supremacy is showing. I, I want to help you understand why the intelligence community operates as it does, because uh, even when I was there, so I'm an old guy now officially. I was there, yes, uh, you know, 34 years ago or you know, 34 years ago, uh, 36 years ago. And um, what, what, you, what you run into is, here I am as the analyst, so anything that I wrote had to be coordinated. And when we talk of coordination, that means I had to call the, the analyst uh, or contact at the Department of State and the Bureau of Intelligence and Research, talk to her at the time to see if she agreed with what I was saying or if she disagreed, she was welcome to write a dissent. And then she had to coordinate. She might suggest I change happy to glad. And then I had to coordinate with the person at the, the analyst counterpart at the Defense Intelligence Agency. And then I had to coordinate with 
if I was using anything from signals intelligence, like from National Security Agency, I had to coordinate with them to get them to sign off. So once you get, so you first it's a group effort. It's like a, the committee design, designing a horse, winding up with a camel. So first I deal with all these other people. I get the piece into working order. I send it to my branch chief. My branch chief then decides that they're going to rewrite it in their style. Uh, you know, I got to the place where I was a, a, a good writer, and they didn't have to make many adjustments. But it's also no, no, no. I just walk in, literally give them. By a, sending a, this, a, is it used to be you'd hand them a hard copy. It was in, on, uh, you know, printed out on typewriter paper, but now it's sent electronically, so they can do it electronically. And uh, you know, it, it would come back with uh, the, the changes that they wanted. And sometimes, based on changes they wanted, I had to go back through the entire process of contacting these other analysts. So the, the point of this, and then once it went to my branch chief, then it went up to the um, division, the, 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 the well, it was called the Middle America Caribbean Division. So it was a division chief. And so they would they would go through it and they'd mark off, you know, check mark and get their comments. And then it would go downstairs because I was in the office of Africa, Latin America Affairs, and it'd have to get proved and read and vetted by someone in that office. And then it went upstairs to the seventh floor to the staff for both the, the presidential daily brief and the national intelligence daily, at which point they would edit it and decide if they wanted to use the piece or not. So when you're, when you're jumping through all those hoops, what the point is, whatever analysis is being presented to the president or to members of Congress, it's going through four or five levels of review. So it, it's not that you got one wild card down in the woodpile making this crap up. You've got somebody who's having to jump through a variety of hoops at three or four levels above, and each one of them are motivated by... They don't want to do anything that's going to bring a spotlight on them and prevent them from getting promoted. And no, <laughs> did you could just walk in and hand didn't it didn't happen Casey. that way. Yeah, never happened that way. <laughs> well, you what know, if you had so, APAC with you? <laughs> I'm so glad you explained that process because in 2003 oh, no, no, with the it, Office no, of Special Plans, trust, they no, just it actually, stove it went through that process right through back then. What happened right was you had they, they, if you were an analyst trying to dissent on that, you were shut out. So, but, but it wasn't just at the low level. It was up through the food chain, up to mm. and including uh, the director of Central Intelligence, good old mm. Georgie Tennant. And uh, and Don, it was a McLaughlin, his his toady of an aide, uh, or assistant uh, d director of the CIA. I mean, you know, they they knew what was what. They knew that they were lying. They knew what questions they didn't want to ask. Well, guess what? We're back in that same position. You know, this is you know, what's going on now is probably worse than we've seen in our history, but it's not the first time. I mean, good God, George Allen, not the football coach, but the, the guy who was the head of uh, Southeast Asia Division back during the Vietnam War, uh, he was fighting battles with the White House, with the National Security Council, McGeorge Bundy, with Bob McNamara at the Department of Defense, because they were putting pressure on him because the CIA was saying, you know what, 
there are a lot more Vietnamese out there than you guys are saying. And the, and the DOD was saying, oh, that's bullshit. We've killed all these people. They're going down. And, you know, they, they tried to pressure uh, this. The, the ideal analyst was a guy named Sam Adams. And what made Santa, Sam Adams special then, and God, I wish we had one like that now, is he came from a wealthy family. He was a multimillionaire. So he didn't need the job. What you have right now are a lot of people who've got a mortgage, got kids maybe in high school or middle school, or mm -hmm. they're going to some private school. So they got to pay the bills, and they're not sitting on two, two, three, four, five million dollars. So they they're not going to rock the boat and create a problem. Back then, Sam Adams, man, he rocked the boat all the time because he had what was politely known as fu money. You know, he he could tell you to just go f all. It didn't matter. So. Right. That that's sort of a one of the freeing aspects if you get that as an analyst. But you, you've got an entire an entire <clears throat> bureaucratic process that is corrupted, top to bottom right now. Yeah, it's part of yeah. the success of Nathan Forrest. He was also a millionaire at the time, like equivalency, and he could buy his own outfit, his own outfit with yeah. six shooter guns and anything he needed. And, and tell General Bragg to F you. And so he was more successful <clears throat> given what he had. Right. Uh, yeah, too many Angletons yeah. and Shackleys and not enough <clears throat> Sam Adams. That would, and I don't mean that the beer, although process. probably not enough of that either. <laughs> but, you know, with Pearl, with Pearl and Fife and, and all that, uh, there were people it didn't have to go through because they're already next to the top anyway and then just get, feed them both as well. IAI and things like that. Uh, our whole defense policy board then was just, it looked like um, a Zionist cabal, and they wanted War of the Rock, and we got one. And the intelligence was never there, and they lied, and it wasn't mistakes. You can't accidentally forge signatures well, out of Niger. I mean, that, well, that's why, the CIA that's must why have I mean, known Joe that, Wilson that came back and accurately but reported it, the, desk and anyway. the CIA case officers that came down and took out, took up, you know, wrote down his story and then provided that as a, as a intelligence report you know that was accurately reflected they just didn't want to hear that well, his yeah. wife was working for Brewster Jennings and Associates front company right. against tracking proliferation for nuclear weapons and then they outed Valerie Plame well, but Novak, before Novak, Novak was, and, and I guess who was some of the other journalists that came yeah, out with that Novak information was, was the front. Yeah, I the mean, American Turkish you, Council. You may not know this, had that Valerie was in Valerie is in my career trainee class, so we're we're old friends. Right. We've known each other now for huh, no, I forty seven years, thirty seven years. I mean, so I knew her when she was young. Yeah, I used to work for a. A translator for the FBI and there, there's a lot of things that people don't know it's foobar all the way down but it has gotten that era of the neocons of the early 2000s it's gotten <clears throat> dumber it's gotten worse because you same evil mentality without the talent like as, as evil as Richard Pearl is I wouldn't say I wouldn't well, call him an idiot yeah like he's good at yeah, he was well he you know I knew uh, <laughs> what he does Paul Wolfowitz bad, his son and my son went to the same high school mm -hmm. BCC in Bethesda and you know I sat with him a couple of times at football games but man Paul he just you know completely lost his way and he was he was just 
uh, uh, out of touch with reality. He didn't want, did not want to hear that the, there were no, you know, nuclear weapons uh, being built by uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So he yeah. really believed it. He he bought into them and propaganda. He thought it did. Wasn't he the one that said they're going to greet us in the streets with flowers and cakes or whatever? Yeah, I think he was the one. That uh, and, that, oh no, he that said that the oil, but it's the oil from Iraq will pay for the war. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah. Uh, and then he got to work uh, at the World you know, Bank. He was just. He was your typical Washington creature. Some of these people. Uh, So we've got a bunch of juveniles running the U.S., but what's the excuse? You have all these different European states. Is it just the intimidation from the U.S. to get in line? Like, how could they all be structured this badly? Uh, well, like, we I, don't have a Sam Adams I anywhere. I think they're starting to rise up based upon uh, as these countries, as Germany, the Netherlands, the U.K., France, as they start to come apart at the seams. Uh, they've got, you know, they've gotten away with this with the United States and its. You know, I guess perceived economic influence, and what what they're really having trouble to wrapping their minds around is the fact that the world has now fundamentally changed. I mean, it is it has changed in as dramatic a fashion as the world changed at the end of World War II, as we went into the establishment of the inter, new new international order, which was uh, built around the UN. And the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund and the U.S. dollar is the international reserve currency. So we're now we're now in an era where the U.S. ability to dominate places like Japan and like Southeast Asia and like Africa and even South America it's gone because the dollar, as powerful as it once was, is no longer in that position just by virtue of shutting out two of the largest economies, uh, and I'm referring to Russia and China. And people say, well, uh, Russia is not that large. Russia is enormously large when you factor in the critical nature of their exports and the, both oil and gas and the agricultural side, as well as the minerals uh, and chemicals, which go to, which are, you know, essential variety of manufacturing. So, this, yeah. Well, they have more people than Japan. Japan's the third largest market on Earth, almost the second largest. So, I mean, it does it does matter. Oh, like, yeah, they don't have any natural resources. Japan makes finished products. Russia has both, mostly raw resources. But they've got every. They have the potential uh, to be completely right. independent. And then I would add in there, the U.S. has cut off Iran and Venezuela too. Not the largest economies, but very important uh, well, and resource there in the gas and oil from Iran and the oil from Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely and right. And, and in fact, with, the with Russia setting up an Iran. alternative economic system, then Iran and Venezuela now have an all... They don't have to worry about U.S. sanctions. They don't have to worry about the U.S. dollar. They can, they can collect U.S. dollars and use them as toilet paper in their toilets. They're going to... They'll do the, the ruble. And with the ruble... They'll be freed of this kind of U.S. intimidation. And so the U.S. inadvertently, by throwing its weight around, has now actually disarmed itself. Now, I mean, that's the, 
that's the ultimate irony here. And, and, and we persist with this military myth of yeah. U.S. dominance. It's persisted over the years because the Russians never until recently did not have an anti-missile defense system that could shoot down our intercontinental ballistic missiles or submarine-launched ballistic missiles, our air-launched uh, cruise missiles with nuclear warheads. Now they do. We don't have that. So all of a sudden, Russia faces a decided mm -hmm. advantage. For one, they can decimate all of U.S. aircraft carriers from being able to operate anywhere near uh, Russia. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, here's one possible scenario that Russia gives or sells to Iran a couple of its hypersonic missiles and Iran decides to take out a U.S. carrier battle group in, in the Persian Gulf. Not a, not a damn thing the United States could do about it except threaten Iran with uh, nuclear weapons, at which point, again, Russia steps in and says, <laughs> you know, if you're going to go that yes. route, you're going, to be, you're going to be on the target list. So, uh, Right. Iran hits the northern oil fields in Saudi Arabia and shuts the whole world down. Um, which they, with regular cruise missiles, they did blow up a well one time, which was credited to Yemen. But that, that whole thing, that whole... Right. That is so sad what is happening in Yemen and no one cares and there's no media on it. Speaking of oh, George yeah. Tenet, one of his goons, um, Kofor Black, what is he doing working no, for Igor Kolomoisky at Burisma? You know, I, I mean, that, I that should day. be a story. I think on Durant. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. Nobody's focused on him. Uh, you know, Black was instrumental in the capture of Carlos the Jackal and handled, handing him over to the French back in 1995. Uh, but uh, going, going from uh, the director of counterterrorism or the counterterrorism center at CIA down to being right. Yeah, and that that really well, wasn't his so watch. Much. His, the tour I mean, of he did incident? try to warn that was and the White Black. House and others right. were listening. Uh, so I, you know, I give him a pass on that front. But then he goes to state the counterterrorism office, mm. punches his ticket there, then gets out, and next thing you know, he is uh, hooked up with the Russians. And he really didn't have a background in working with Russians or, or Ukrainians. Uh, so, you know, he fell into it. And there's uh, there's got to be a reason. Uh, I think something to deal with uh, his contacts going into the U.S. military special operations community and into DOD, as well as his prior CIA background. So, uh, but you know, it is that this is this is the problem with Washington that you know, Kofor is just a symptom of the broader disease that. We people work out the way, worm their way up the bureaucracies just so that they can position themselves to jump into the private sector and will wind up on a, with a big fat paycheck. And most times they're helping enabling, you know, they're enabling the purchase of goods and or services that used to be provided internally. I mean, one of the, the, the growth of analytical services outside of the Directorate of Intelligence at CIA is one of the sort of untold stories of the post 
a just dramatic expansion. That's one of the reasons as you drive around northern Virginia, you're seeing Ferrari and uh, uh, Lamborghini and, and uh, uh, Bentley and Maserati dealerships all over the place. They didn't just exist. But now you've got this uh, wealthy group of racking in the big bucks and many times also pulling the government pension. Life is sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they got to get another ice yeah. sculpture for their for their yard in Nova. We call it occupied Virginia. <laughs> it's just like it's the bleeding uh, from Satan's anus, also known as DC, Potomac Falls, into McLean and uh, that whole area up there. Which uh, go look at the map of uh, yeah how the, how Virginia voted, and it's those kind of it's, it's like Loudon, you know they the place where they allow uh, transgender monsters to rape girls in the bathroom at a high school, move them to another school, and he yeah. does it again. And they're like, they're on the side of the rapist. I mean, this is how far, far off they are. Uh, these are the people that tried to get birthday abortions passed in Virginia. It didn't, but I mean, that, the fact that that was even thought of to terminate a baby nine months into yeah. a pregnancy is shows what? you there is no bottom to some of these people. And they or, don't no, live in the real world. They all live or, off military uh, some, contracting. Some contract right, of some sort. In that and area. Notice Loudoun County was not that way 20, 25 years ago. Not at all. It was the exact opposite. So it is... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like it was like Harrisonburg or something. Virginia, not, not Pennsylvania, Harrison. Um, it was pretty, yeah, pretty down to earth. And I've, I've watched it. My granddad explained it to me too. He was up in Occoquan and he yeah. just, everything <laughs> around him is going Yankee and, uh, in his words, but it just means like, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, these, uh, these ticks, you know, living off the government titty, uh, getting all this. And that's, that's a, a pushback I had. So people say, right. I've heard you say, I've heard Andre say, oh, America hasn't won a major war since the Korean War. And uh, most countries haven't. But I agree. And But here's where I disagree. They, I agree if you're looking at it from a real politic point of view of furthering American interests, strategic interests, and and some sort of value and winning as in conquest or getting a goal. What's the objective? I disagree because I don't think that's what American wars are for. I think the, they don't go to war for American strategic interests. They go to war for select commercial interests. And for that, from that perspective, they've done very well. Uh, they're winning all their wars because they've made trillions of dollars, meaning stolen from the taxpayer and given to Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, General Dynamic, and so on. So from that point of view, all these right. wars have been a success uh, based on the people who actually start them. And they work hand in hand with the, the press, you know, is they're basically beholden to big pharma, weapons, auto, and oil. And so if you look at it like that, well, the purpose of war wasn't to win it. I mean, why would you do that? Why not have a war in Vietnam well, for think, nine years? We, Look how many helicopters we got to sell. You know, that's how I look at it. Is they, they're not going to war to, to fight communism or whatever, fight terrorists. They're there 
well, I to think, I think what destroy places is, and soak up resources I, I and make a lot of money. I unexpected benefit from the war that, yeah, the, 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 the corporations, even though Eisenhower uh, warned about the military-industrial complex, I don't think that military-industrial complex fully realized what an industry it could become and how much it would need to have federal budget annually just to keep itself growing and how it would therefore have to, um, uh, I guess, take over or capture the, the military services and the intelligence services so that it would become a cooperating, uh, you know, help them collaborate. Yeah, in, in taking, in, the, in being them addicted, yeah. getting government Involving addicted door. to the private sector. So, because uh, when you look at really the history of Vietnam and the U.S. history in it and what Daniel Ellsberg ex exposed with the Pentagon Papers, they really did. They really thought they were pursuing a military objective, and they quite, could never achieve it. And then, uh, the the other thing is, by by getting suckered in with these corporations, with these weapon systems that really are not relevant to any sort of coherent defensive strategy. And we saw this particularly after 9/11, the emphasis on drones and the surge towards drone technology took over. Well, but, you know, the Taliban, uh, uh, the, the, the Iraqis, uh, whether yeah. Shia or Sunni, they weren't sitting around with advanced air defense systems that could detect and shoot those things down. Now, for the first time, the West introduced these into a conventional battlefield, a modern battlefield, and Russia has just been, I mean, they have shot, shot them to hell. And, you know, Well, when second time, fact, you recall they sent them into or, Iran no, and they, got, now, they shot them down too. Uh, the CIA lost a drone uh, inside. A drone came down and Iran claimed credit for it. I, I, I'm now pretty, pretty well convinced. That, no, no, no. That was that was that was brought down by Soviet electronic like warfare like capabilities. Bradley with wings. <laughs> they worked with Iran to bring it down. I'd, I'd bet dollars to donuts that. that Right. We've seen the success in Syria too of taking out drones. Yeah, and see what uh, pr pretty advanced uh, drones. And Syria that's also was actually working sort of a decent um, proving ground for how the U.S. and Russia could work together. Because I know for a fact that there was close coordination between the uh, command head, the you know the the Joint Operations Center uh, down in Qatar with. Uh, the uh, Russians, and that the senior commander of, of that uh, Joint Operations Center was in regular communication with the Russians, telling them what we're going to do, they'd tell us what they were going to do, deconflicting flights, coordinating airstrikes, etc. And even, even when it came time that we were going to strike Syrian bases <clears throat> that had a large Russian presence in retaliation for the alleged use of sarin gas, we got on the horn with the Russians and said, hey, this is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to hit. This is when we're going to do it. This is how many. And, you know, the Russians <clears throat> would pull their people out, reposition some of their air defense systems, and then shot down a lot of our missiles. You know, <laughs> so uh, 
it's not always things aren't always going as the public's being told on the news media. Yeah, you can see with the routine Israeli attacks on Syria that the the different types of air defense systems they they just have S two hundreds at first, but they had the Pansia and Book M one. But the radar from the S-200, 300 forces them to fire from way further out, which means they have more time to intercept them with the other systems. And I'll oh, give geez. you a softball here. You yeah, know, but yeah. F-35. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, call it, just, I call it the Bradley it, with wings. It, it is. If you know about it, the Bradley it, fighting it vehicle a, and how many problems it had. <laughs> and a symptom of what's wrong with the procurement process for the Department of Defense and, and it's it's this is a aircraft designed more to meet the needs of contractors and their ability to rack up the right amount of profit as opposed to actually mm-hmm. meeting the of, of uh, the Air Force within within a strategic doctrine uh, you know because candidly with the advent of remote piloted vehicles now the need for piloted vehicles being put into harm's way has diminished. It's not what it was. Uh, and because anytime you start putting a live human being in an aircraft, there's an, a whole lot of modification that has to take place to that aircraft just to make it livable for the human being. Whereas if it was being flown remotely, you didn't have to make the, worry about that. <clears throat> you wouldn't have to worry about killing the pilot because you had uh, endured too many Gs uh, because the thing was flying so fast and could turn so tightly. Uh, but then uh, you, you run up against the fact that Russia is now starting to share more of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the F-35 can, learn, the ocean, can land upside down, as we've seen. <laughs> don't, don't you yeah, have no, a, a buddy in a a Nova that yeah, uh, lobbies for the, for the defense yeah. industry? He's... And uh, uh, he, he is uh, Maryland. Yeah, he's, he's got one of the largest Almost defense the lobbying thing. firms in, in town. And, um, you know, it's it, it's a business. And the way the business works is he, he, he gets these companies. They pay him to get him access to Congress. He gets him access to Congress. And how does he get him access to Congress? He holds fundraisers, raises money for those Congress. So whenever he comes, he's given a check to members of Congress. Whenever he calls, those members of Congress pick up because they don't want to piss him off and lose the money. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's a form of... But wasn't he yes. clueless to how much uh, yeah. like yeah. Raytheon gear on the black market was going? I mean, we've seen them in Idlib now. We've seen... What did they think was going to happen? If you, oh, let's give man pads and... Um, all and they, javelin all they missiles to neo Nazis. What could go wrong? To them, and they'd have to build more, so that would be a bigger contract. They had absolutely zero. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that that answers our question. Then it's like this is what's going on. Why is the intelligence so bad? Why are we in these imperial escapades that are not even in American strategic interests? Because. The commercial interest of the MIC is such they don't care, and they've been used to whatever they're picking on the third world. Who cares? Like a lot of munitions dropped on Cambodia and Laos, right? Weren't even out of hate. It was just, well, right. how much will this cost, and what will we get? It was just pure business. 
no no value to the bombing whatsoever no prejudice in the bombing either just indifference which is even worse i would argue uh stealing from white peace and mark gutman uh they just doing it for the sake of it and that's how we sort of stumbled along and let's have a coup in ukraine and because that place was cannibalized by the west after the fall of the no, Soviet I, Union, which I, saw, I mean, I, I saw it first communism cannibalized things too. But you've been over there. Uh, what it looked like? So um, it was, and you know what's really sort of shocking about this is once you step back and look objectively at the kind of natural resources Ukraine has, it really should be one of the wealthier countries in the world just based upon its sheer natural resources. But uh, that's one of the reasons I think the West has coveted Ukraine so much, because you know we can we can rape and rape is the appropriate terminology for it. We take we take from it what is valuable and we use it for our own pleasure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it worse than Detroit? Well. Yeah. 94 in Ukraine versus Detroit today. Well, there are some well, sections of Detroit, this, Baltimore, that, and San Francisco that just look like as zombies. As bad as those I mean, parts of Ukraine were, they at least were not as dangerous uh, as Baltimore, Detroit, the, the, those inner city areas, Chicago. Hmm. They, they were not the kind of war zones. Yeah. That we had that unfortunate <laughs> shooting on secession day or independence day uh and we had happy secession day we had <clears throat> it's funny we have see i've got the carolina flag here which may 20th was the day of secession for uh for the revolution and for the civil war yeah right there but we don't support secession in crimea that's an annexation even though there was no violence and they voted to leave and they had prior previously been part of Russia anyway and that's the language they speak ignoring all that it was a brutal invasion by Vladimir Putin somehow without a bullet fired annexed this whole territory and that's the narrative and that's that there's no you can't say the s word you know but anyway uh, we had this brutal shooting uh, I think six people killed 19 others injured in Chicago by this loser I won't say his name because I think that adds to their infamy yeah, yeah. but on the same day there were 68 other shootings in Chicago that is just a normal 68 people shot in addition well, the to the uh, 25 the guy shot six the difference, difference was Highland that's Park, all Illinois, the time that's a normal suburbs, weekend in Chicago black neighborhoods and despite all the lip service paid to black lives matter we just uh, you know, they really don't give a damn about how many black people die. And and that is, you know, what, what the, the real irony there is uh, you'll find in a lot of those black communities, the ones that are trying to hold families together and try to survive, they absolutely want the police presence and they absolutely want to be able to have a firearm to defend themselves. And they just, but they can't get any, any you know, any of the governing systems to, to, to give a damn. Yeah, we get hundreds of shootings in Portland too, which is the yeah, whitest yeah. city in America. Right. I don't but think no, it's because they're black. Yeah. I think it's because they're poor. I think it's a class thing. Yeah. Like poor people of any color are ignored when they when they die. So whatever, because I can point out counter examples. <clears throat> a lot of blacks are poor, so it seems 
in cities anyway seems to correlate but i don't know i think it doesn't matter if you're hispanic black native american but they don't care about you if, unless you have money yeah. and yeah this happened in a place where it's unusual like what a suburb and it is it is a tragedy it is a mass shooting and he did kill six but uh, we got a major problem in a lot of our uh american cities chicago outlawed guns so, yeah, that, that, that. i mean why why are they shooting <laughs> well, like, they ought to just outlaw murder that would stop it pick, pick um, town, <clears throat> yeah just pick, make murder illegal you know that'll work an example of it. it's what is largely wrong a white people? community that's <laughs> impoverished and high violence high drug use um so yeah this you know mm-hmm. we keep wondering why this decline of american society when there is the increased embrace of degenerate, sexually degenerate lifestyles is the only way to describe it. And uh, at, at the same time, uh, kids growing violent yeah. video games where you get rewarded for killing people. So they're, they're, they are not taught. You know, I remember, oh, geez, you know, 32 years ago, uh, carpooling with a Navy SEAL commander. And... Uh, his, his boys at the time were like, you know, five and seven. Um, and he, he, he noted he would not buy them toy guns. He would not let them play with guns as a toy. He was teaching them at that young age what guns yeah. were, how they were to be used, the right way to handle them. But you don't teach kids that something that can destroy a life is a toy, is a plaything. And out of that, if you take that kind of attitude... You actually, you'll raise kids who have a respect for life, not a complete disregard for life. I, you know, I don't think it's any, uh, it's not a mere coincidence that you have mass murders rising in concert with the press for late-term abortion. And it all goes to the fundamental thing of a complete disregard for human life. And within it, not, not caring about the life of the individual. They treat it as the mass. The mass can be disposed of as needed. You know, the, you know, the aborting, a, aborting a fetus is just a mass of cells that are discarded, as opposed to recognizing that it is a unique human being. And so somehow that to get that change in the culture, it's got to change in the video games. It's got to change in the content of movies and television shows. It's got to change in literature. And right now we're in the midst of a, flood of filth that is just really, it's not just polluting the minds of, of the older generation, but the younger generation particularly, it's, it's brainwashing. I think it's drugs. Uh, we had plenty of genocides before video games, and like, like where I live in Japan, I think we have more gaming than anywhere. A lot of the games in the U.S. come from Japan. But they're not running around killing each other and acting like that because they're not on SSRIs and they're not doing meth and heroin and all these drugs. I think if you're a drug addict and you play shooter games all the time, then you start to not be able to differentiate whatever. But gaming, rock and roll, all these things have been blamed in the past. Oh, it's because of that. We lost religion. We have this music. It's this cartoon. They're playing cowboy when they're kids. And I don't think it's any of that. We've had that. You can see that around the world that doesn't behave that way and they still have all that stuff like japan has fast food yet they're not all right fat you know there's a, dis- a disciplinary thing a cultural thing something else going on and the big difference is drugs the drugs in the united states are 
everywhere. I mean, you can get drugs in jail, right? You can cigarettes and hard drugs in a prison system uh, because we have a culture that doesn't think it's wrong. They're like, yeah, get high, whatever. You're not hurting anything like you are. You're hurting your brain. Uh, and it's not just illegal drugs. It's prescription drugs and some of these mental health drugs that I don't think work the same way on everybody. And if you got like a 5% outlier that really shouldn't be on these pills, it really screws them up. You end up with uh, a lot of these mass shootings and school shootings. Every single one of them are on these serotonin uptake re inhibitors and i don't know i might be wrong about that but we're not allowed to even have that conversation right. because right. you have to have the state narrative or you're banned from social media which i am so there, i'll never is, i don't know what know, the Dar counterpoint Darwin to any of that is because we're not even allowed to talk about it with the illegal drug That's use sad. the number the fentanyl deaths in the united states is just soaring so those who are using are killing killing oh yes but that, don't you think no, that's no, sort of suicide? No, I mean, like I, I've someone, got a, I've got, they're just I've got a doing drugs until they die because they already. Yeah, he was self-medicating. Like, he thought he, he was just smoking accidental. heroin to deal with uh, nerve pain in his leg. He had shot himself accidentally in the leg while cleaning a gun. Uh, he had. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Laced and so he was. He had this tremendous nerve heroin. pain, and he had been he'd been drug tested. He Oof. was free, but apparently he fell back into it, and. Uh, uh, he got, you know, I guess he got, he thought he could control it or whatever, or judge it. And fatal mistake, man. Killed his ass. 30, 30, 37 years old. So, I, you know, I've seen it. Oof. It's so easy for that type of drug. It's like a liquid. So they could just put a couple drops in, what, in some other drug, uh, which you used to see with marijuana getting laced with coke and special K and whatever. I had a friend, he busted two knuckles in his fist. Long story, whatever. But he, you know, given our, our wonderful healthcare system in the United States, he turned, he very reluctantly was like, well, I'll, I'll try this. And he was getting pain pills. And one day somebody put a, a drop or whatever it is of fentanyl in there. And it, you know, he yeah, had a problem yeah. for like the next three months trying to get off fentanyl yeah, because it, yeah, yeah. it worked very well. He had no pain in his hand at all, but at such a price. Uh, and that, that now, is some, the, some are the some are suicidal big new street drug. Some are not. You know, I think they're just and, uh, getting high. And, you know, there's no way to tell it's, it's got fentanyl in it. It doesn't come like in a different color or with yeah. a flashing red sign or, you know, a warning from the doctor. Uh, they know, like, test kit for it. That's how I used to test to see if make sure LSD wasn't in something. But I don't know. That's uh, right. but you know, with open borders and everything else, it's pretty easy to yeah, smuggle that, in. But I wouldn't again, put it past again, the CIA give, bringing give the CIA it in. So far too much credit for having an entrepreneurial streak. This. Uh... <laughs> I mean, they've done it before. <laughs> Oh, I just, I don't, they don't have to go fly it in. Uh, they just look the other way and allow yeah, it. Or like, the, where, you know, whatever, where they're doing it. Because usually if the supply side is somebody on their team that's making money off it, they just let it be. That's been the history. It was. Uh... And again, it's also like, well, that's just poor people dying. Who cares? 
it's not it's it's darwin it's natural selection and, and it's not just the poor and even if it yeah. was those are human beings but i think a lot of people look at the drug problems and go well, that's your fault if you smoke meth or do fentanyl that's on you and let them die that's that is a, well, no one still. would say that openly but they're just thinking well, i don't care i'm not smoking heroin that's your fault yeah but like you said what if you got in a you know right. shot or something and you might get addicted to oxycotton or morphine or whatever it's not like oh well if you'd gone this other yeah. way it's still a bad route right there really isn't a, and, and a lot of that's our healthcare system too it's just way too expensive and convoluted our meaning u.s not ours ours is all right <laughs> well we got uh, off track i, from I Ukraine, think they will, but they that's, will go um, at least to the near and stuff. then they will take odessa what do you think is going to happen now transnistria um, do you think they'll go and, all the way you know, to the really Dnieper or beyond they will try to consolidate the control over the rest of ukraine i'm not sure but i don't think they want to put physical troops in there i think they learned the lesson the soviets proved that you can't occupy Poland, you can't occupy Czechoslovakia, you can't occupy Hungary, because they'll fight you. So, uh, you know, that's one of the, uh, that's where I draw the line between the Soviet uh, approach to the world and the post-Soviet approach to the world, which uh, is represented by mm -hmm. Putin. Uh, I don't see Putin as necessary. He is going to disarm Ukraine. That's true. Uh, but they're not going to occupy that part, but they will get up to the Dnieper. The Dnieper is a great uh, boundary, a good barrier, and it separates. Yeah. Oh, the Poles, the Poles, the Poles will take it over. They'll take over up to Lviv. We could destroy Western Ukraine and not occupy it, just level it and leave, I guess, the, the Libya model. Mm-hmm. And the last question is, uh, you know, a lot of people yeah. focus on the diesel fuel and the gas prices. Oh, what I've been worried about since February is the fertilizer right. and the it goes grain. Hand, it goes hand in The famines are coming. And everyone has this attitude of, well, this can never happen the, here. He was the this will never happen here until it does, right? State. And he retired um, to a small farm up uh, north of Des Moines. And he's keeping me posted. And he just said, look. These farmers, the, the, the tractors they drive out to the field, they they got to fill them up with diesel. Well, the price of diesel doubled, tripled. So all of a sudden, you know, that that right away adds to your cost. Uh, and then on top of it, the fertilizer, you know, that went through the roof. Yeah. So it, it's it's both the, the combination of the fertilizer increase in price as well as, well as diesel. Food prices are going to go through the roof. They just had... Just, yes. Yeah. And natural gas, because the chemicals you yeah. need to put in the fertilizer, some of them come from the <clears throat> natural gas. The diesel is hitting now. So you're seeing that in farmers. But like, look at Sri Lanka. Look at the global south. They are right. really hurting. Right. And when... This grain that was supposed to come out of Ukraine, partly their fault because they mined the waters outside Odessa and then they moved around and they don't know where their own water mines are, so they're not shipping grain out. They won't go through Belarus because they sanctioned them and so they, they won't ship them that way. 
I get. And they they don't have rail lines to Poland. It's the old Soviet lines. They don't connect. Yeah, no, I, I agree. guess they could bring them in trucks or something, but they don't really have a way to get this out. And if that grain doesn't hit the market by like October, November, you're going to see a real crisis. Oh, yeah. no, this, and so yeah, I don't just, know if I Russia mean, can take wait, Odessa by then, until, maybe. In no, they're, they're not going to move uh, proactively things, until they do you think they would need to clear so, out the mines and allow the um, shipment. Of grain? I mean, we'd have to really, can they? Yeah. Right. This would be one of those serendipitous things. Like you want to take down China, yeah. knock out the global food because then they'll turn on themselves. It's not like America planned that. It's not it's just, oh, we're being stupid and caused a famine. But yeah, that will affect the Chinese, uh, which means they might be eyeballing Taiwan. This whole thing just gets worse and worse the more you look at it. And we don't have anybody there that, like you said, is you know outside of middle school thinking to say anything reasonable we need to work with the russians open the pipelines get off of coal the hell it's with this green give you a deal just seed the land in ukraine that's over russia's going to yeah. take it anyway why do you want to lose thousands of more people not really nobody's yeah, there there's no adults in the room gonna have a lot, lot to talk about is there any is there any white happen. pills you can give us any any um well maybe the midterms or i don't know anything positive you yeah. can think of <laughs> oh no Well, I guess it's good for my show, but I'd rather talk about something good, good news somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I I wish Russia would focus more on mending relations with Asia because I don't think South Korea and Japan are so sold on the sanctions. Only three Japanese companies went along with it inside of Russia. The rest are like, no, we're not doing that because we can't. We're not Germany. Um, I think that might be an out. Uh, because no, the U.S. doesn't have the fact, same influence we're, we're as it did, as you said, over Asia. With China, and that could be a save. I really don't. Worse. That's all I've thought of. I can't really think of any other exit ramps uh, that are realistic. So, oh. <laughs> Hooray. Let's do them both at the same time because reasons. Ah, well, you've blackpilled me further. Thank you so much. Uh, but that's the, what you need to know. You know, bad news, if it's truthful, truth will set you free. It's just going to happen anyway, and you can't lie to yourself. That's been our problem in Ukraine. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I had a, I had a question from one from the audience. Uh, you're going to laugh, but they have, <laughs> they, no said, they have no gloves to take off. It was a NATO question. That's the bottom line. Uh, Mr. Johnson, NATO's do you think NATO will They're ever like take the, the gloves of off to stop Russia or is provoking them their the only curtain. play? Oh, gee. So. Exactly. All right, man. Hey, listen. Right. There. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this idea. Yeah, they're not going to be able to do that. They don't. Other than the U.S., I'll be right back. I guess Somebody. Turkey. I, I mean, they really don't. There's nobody with a military presence other than Turkey and the United States. Sure. Uh, not a problem. Well, I guess I'll address that question, too. So, wh who in NATO? I mean, the UK's got, what, two brigades or something? Uh, there's nothing there. France has a little bit. They're strapped for oil and gas, so they can't get in a conflict with Russia. Italy certainly can't. Germany certainly can't. 
Um, you've got Poland. It's just out of date gear. They wouldn't fare any better than Ukraine, even less so. Scandinavia, uh, if they were to even join NATO, would just get flattened. I mean, I'm not sure. Sure, the United States has a large military and all, but they're spread thin. And um, there's Turkey, I suppose. But I don't think Erdogan is going to flip to that side. Uh, you'd have to have them all together, and they're just not there. Look at all the weapons and money they're already pouring into Ukraine. Ukraine had a 600,000-man army on paper, anyway. And yeah, you could say, yeah, they're getting all this obsolete gear so that you know they can back order it and pay. But look, that's how it's going to be. If the moneyed interests are the ones in charge, these aren't military people. They just whatever just Sorry to make a that. sale right they a, say whatever they got to do late, late night oh yeah amazon, let's give money that amazon aid delivery. to ukraine a lot of it's loans right it's not it's just being recycled back on the mic so you got you, ukraine's just an intermediary for washington to send money straight to yeah. what, what are the what are the oh right on well i was just answering the, the same question uh, Russia's, reiterating Russia what you said nato outside of turkey in the u.s doesn't have anything to throw troops at russia so nato and, doesn't um, have six hundred thousand troops to deploy number one they don't have the logistics line of communications in other words the means to keep them supplied with food fuel ammunition uh and do vehicle repair as well as deal with uh, mm -hmm. wounded troops in the event that they did a ground invasion. Their air power is completely vulnerable to the Russian air defense systems. So what exactly are they supposed to do? Uh, write a sternly worded letter? Mm -hmm. Well, even that, I mean, how, how would they attack the fleet? Uh, if, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're they going to have to do either air launch, sea launch. That's about it. Not ground um, launched. That wouldn't uh, even be that successful. <laughs> yeah. So those subs, though, immediately once they do, once they launch those, the the Russians are all over that. And yeah, nuclear subs, I guess. <clears throat> Russia has plenty of subs itself. I don't know how many are in the Black Sea, but I mean, I imagine that's where they are, considering. Um, yeah, it would just be, there really isn't anything NATO can do offensively. They could sit on the well, defense, make Russia come to them, but yeah, well, they don't have to. They already Americans have, they have had two they got, examples. They're getting Ukraine. Uh, one they in, may even get, they may even go into. One in 2003, we don't know. starting in 2002. But there isn't anything NATO can do. We have had nuclear time war. to build up a military force in order to launch an invasion, in order to launch an offensive military uh, operation. And this against really third-rate militaries that were not any, in, in any condition to withstand us. Uh, they didn't have significant air assets. They had virtually no armor. They didn't have any organized artillery units. And even then, we took three, four months just gathering our forces and weren't able to hide it. And so when you're gathering them and concentrating them, uh, when you're fighting a peer-to-peer -peer battle, and if we're trying to do that to Russia, Russia's not going to sit back and wait for us to gather everything together so that, they can, so that we can go punch them in the nose. They're going to start blowing up those, the, those camps and assembly areas even before that. 
and they can easily do it. They've got the missile reach. I mean, this was like like our guys have not thought this through in terms of tactically what it means to try to launch a conventional military operation when you're attacking a mm-hmm. land power that's defending its own territory. It's suicidal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's the utter stupidity of Finland and Sweden <clears throat> joining NATO. That's it for them. NATO will not be, oh, well, you're going to get all of NATO on you. Okay, bring all the NATO. They will still lose. What? Uh, Finland would get, <laughs> they have no chance. Uh, this wouldn't what, be 250,000 guys. That'd be a war war. Millions. That if they join and they NATO, really don't have that on the other side other than the U.S., which would take to make, you know, by the time the U.S. arrived and the war done. Than if they had to do it on their own. <laughs> so it's just, it may be all about dollars. You know, they weren't necessarily planning to have to do anything different from what they've been doing. But now they'd, they'd have to spend less money, which, you know, they said, hey, that's great, we'll do that. Right. Right. Yeah, but given what. <laughs> some of the Russia's reasons for Ukraine. Why would Finland want to join NATO? That Russia doesn't want NATO on their border. They're not going to allow F-35As, which can carry atomic weapons, to be you know that close to the Russian cities. And yeah. so it would be. It's the same as putting uh, nuclear missiles in Cuba. Like the U.S. would not stand for that and didn't, and Russia wouldn't either. I mean, it's a pretty common sense equation there. Finland, wake up. They got a 36-year-old leader that she doesn't know what she's doing, and they already applied. I just, I don't. I wish they would. Somebody could get these people to turn around. But I feel like because we don't have media, because social media is so censored, right. And mass media is a crock. Uh, barely any voices are getting out there, but uh, Sonar, we do have Sonar some. Got- and I try to get them on this show. And I would I would direct everybody to, to oh, check out Sonar, century. son of a new American, son uh, of the new American revolution for the twenty first century. <clears throat> Sonar twenty one dot com. What's the twenty one? Yeah, twenty first century. Yeah, that's what I'll say. I like this one. The there's an article, the myth of special forces importance in a conventional war, written on Secession Day that I would implore everybody to go read and check out these articles by Larry C. Johnson. And I appreciate all your time, sir. You talked to me for a long time, answered all the questions, and I love having you on the show. We'll have you back because I don't think this war is going to stop anytime soon. I think it's sadly all summer long Ukrainians are going to die. I appreciate the time and just Uh, uh, enjoy Japan. And lose their territory. Konnichiwa. Best best to you. Oh, you couldn't see my salute. Okay. Bye-bye.